Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Taking Stock. Coming up on Taking Stock, we're going to be speaking with John Kevel. He is a principal and managing director of U.S. Capital Markets for Avison Young. What is Avinson Young? They are a real estate broker, and he's got details about the commercial real estate market in our nation's capital. We've got all the details coming up. But right now, let's go to Charlie Pellet in the Bloomberg Newsroom for a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I thank you very much, Pim Fox. NASDAQ at a record now, 52.66, up 21 points, a gain there of four-tenths of one percent. The dollar is falling after mixed economic day today. That is bolstering speculation. The Federal Reserve will be in no rush to raise interest rates. Oil is rallying up 73 cents, 48.14 a barrel right now on West Texas Intermediate Crude, up 1.5%. Brent Crude up 1.6%, up 76 cents, 49.92 for a barrel of Brent. Natural gas uh, higher by 2.8% now, 275 per million BTUs. Dow Industrials up 35 to 18,565, a gain there of two-tenths of 1%. The S&P up 6 to 2189, a gain of three-tenths of 1%. People familiar with the matter say negotiations between Bayer and Monsanto are advancing toward a deal after the companies made progress on issues, including the purchase price and termination fee. Jeff McCracken is managing editor for global mergers and acquisitions at Bloomberg News. And on the Bloomberg Advantage this morning, he outlined the competitive landscape in that industry. What's been going on in the agri-chem world is the biggest companies have been merging. So last year we had Dow and DuPont come together, and sometime perhaps later this year that deal will get approved. And those companies, once they come together, then they're going to break apart. Uh, they will come together and they will put divisions like divisions, if you will, together and then break into two or three companies. Purchases of new homes unexpectedly jumped in July to the highest in almost nine years, led by soaring demand in the south and adding to signs of persistent housing market strength. Commerce Department says sales increased 12.4 percent to a 654,000 annualized pace, the fastest since October 2007. 232 on Wall Street now. Let's look at some of the other stories making news. Thank you, Charlie. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Till Schneider. President Obama spoke today after getting a firsthand look at the record flooding that has devastated parts of Louisiana. I come here first and foremost to say that the prayers of the entire nation are with everybody who lost loved ones. Uh, we are heartbroken uh, by the loss of life. The flood damaged tens of thousands of homes and killed 13 people. Donald Trump's Trump Tower is boosting the rent it charges to one of its tenants, the Donald Trump campaign. The campaign paid about $35,000 a month for rent and utilities until this April. The payment began increasing in May and hit $170,000 last month. Hillary Clinton leads Donald Trump by 16 points in Virginia. The Roanoke College poll has Clinton with 55 percent and Trump 36 percent in a two-way race. In an expanded poll, Clinton leads 48 percent to 32 percent, with Libertarian nominee Gary Johnson getting 8 percent and the Green Party's Jill Stein with 3 percent. It looks like private lives are reportedly being exposed by WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks' quest to expose government secrets is costing the privacy of hundreds of innocent people 
including survivors of sexual abuse and the mentally ill. That's according to the Associated Press. AP reports in the past year alone, WikiLeaks has published medical files belonging to scores of ordinary citizens, while many hundreds more have had sensitive family, financial, or identity records posted to the web. According to AP, the site published the name of a Saudi citizen arrested for being gay. In the Muslim kingdom, homosexuality is punishable by death. Michael Barr, Bloomberg Radio. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Jill Schneider, and this is Bloomberg. Charlie? And we thank you again, recapping the S&P 500 index up 6 to 2189, a gain of three-tenths of 1%. NASDAQ trading at a record of four-tenths of 1%. Dow Industrials up two-tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Commercial real estate in our nation's capital. We've got an expert. John Kevill is Principal Managing Director of U.S. Capital Markets for Avison Young. He's based in Washington, D.C. John, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, Pam. Tell us a little bit about your company, about Avison Young, because you're based in Toronto, but you have lots of experience in the D.C. market. You've executed more than $25 billion worth of transactions over your nearly quarter-century career. Well, Avis and Young is Toronto-based, and in the U.S. we're Chicago-based, and and we're we're the largest, the fastest-growing uh, real estate services firm in, in in the country. We've gone from 400 people just four years ago to nearly 3,000 people, and we've done that through acquiring uh, acquiring companies, acquiring key people, and really focusing on uh, on um, high levels of client service and markets across the country. We're in 70 markets globally including Canada, Mexico, Germany, the U.K., and uh, and we're continually growing. So, so, tell, all right, so tell us about some of the – I know you've brokered uh, several deals in Washington, D.C., and, uh, well, tell us about two of them in particular. I know that those are regarded as some of the largest uh, deals ever. Well, in, in, in Washington, I think the uh, – is an interesting market. Right now um, – we're we're a little bit lower on the on the scale and the attractiveness scale for global investment than we typically have been, and that's that's um, that's I think largely due to the fact that the federal government has not been in sort of a, a, a growth on mode over the last few years. Uh, that being said, what we've seen is not uh, not necessarily the largest deals, but some of the most interesting deals I've been on are deals where, or, or quite frankly, some of the smaller deals, some of the deals where we've seen. The urbanization trends that we're seeing across the area take root, and office investors are increasingly looking to live, work, play environments where where the firms that are tenants in the buildings, um, the, the the buildings are close to where people live, where people play, and um, and those buildings become sort of a, more of a part of the fabric of the tenancy, and and therefore the tenants are more more prone to staying there, and, and, and you see higher rental growth. And those tend to be the investments that people can make sense of a little bit better right now than, than those that rec- rely on the pure sort of economic growth on the back of our traditional demand generators, which have been the, the government and law firms and contractors. Now we're just going to really point to one particular deal. This was the one in 2014, 555 12th Street Northwest. Uh, that was a nearly $500 million deal going for $635 a square foot. Can you tell us what does prime business commercial space rent for or sell for right now in Washington, D.C.? Well, 
Well, right now, the, the best indicator of the prime space is not necessarily the price per square foot, but more the cap rate that investors are willing to pay. Um, I would say that for prime trophy rental in downtown D.C., uh, right now, someone would buy that for, say, a three, three and a half percent cap rate, assuming that there's some, some level of growth implied in the rent based on who the tenancy is. Uh, stabilized cap rates would be a little bit higher. In that particular case, that was a deal that was a full city block in downtown D.C. And that's the sort of investment that gets global attention. Uh, and that was that was really the key there. The, the, the global attention that that asset received in the market, because of its size and because of its location in a gateway city, almost transcends Washington, D.C., and really is an indicator of, of how attractive it is to put – uh, major amounts of capital to work in in gateway cities across the U.S. And just to do the the quick definition of cap rate, it's the ratio of net operating income to property asset value. Uh, tell us a little bit about the expansion of infrastructure in Washington. I keep thinking, for example, of the metro, which is the second biggest uh, public transport system in the U.S. The, for example, the uh, ex- the expansion of the Silver Line. How is that changing commercial real estate? Well, what you're seeing on the Silver Line in particular is, is it, real estate investment is occurring around mass transportation around the country. And I think that's, that's one of the, that's one of the key drivers in this region. So investors from, from outside the market and inside the market are focusing on where people want to live, where people can office and where, where people can get around the region without cars. And, and so that's leading to dense development around metros. And that's where we, that's where investors foresee rental growth. And so that makes, that, 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 that makes those investments more attractive. And I think you're seeing, more and more capital um, wanting to pay up to be around Silver Line metros, and you see it through Tyson's Corner. You see it out in, you see it out in, in Reston and Herndon, and, and certainly you've seen it for a long time in the Roslyn Boston corridor locally. Just last point to make the distinction for us between rental growth and asset types, because that's not necessarily what you think of when you think institutional assets, is it? Yeah. Um, I'm not so sure. Business, uh, leading to rental growth. Business trends leading to rental growth and asset types that are not typically thought of as true institutional assets. Right. So I think what what what, what people have looked at, and you, you defined cap rate a little while ago, and, and I think what, what many institutional investors have come to the conclusion that, for the most part, Pure cap rate compression has 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 stabilized, and they're going to get their they're going to get their investment growth based on uh, demogra- increase in demographic growth and the urbanization trends. And that's where where the urbanization is occurring. That's where you're going to see rental growth. And I think that's we've got to leave mar- it there. John Kevill, principal managing director, U.S. Capital Markets for Avinson Young. This is Bloomberg. Coming up on Bloomberg Taking Stock, we're going to take stock of a potential deal. Monsanto, Bayer, will the deal come together for these two giant agrochemical companies? Details ahead.